He's the voice that cuts through the noise. The man who isn't afraid to tell it like it is. Please welcome your host, the one and only, Walt Blackman. How are you doing, everybody? And welcome back as we continue on our journey through the Constitution. My name is Walt Blackman. Welcome to the show. Want to put something out there first, a PSA. Here is the deal. Really apologize for not being able to put this stuff out every day. As you know, I'm running for office, and with that, we get extremely busy. And I just want to make sure to let you know that we appreciate anybody who downloads and listens to us. We are going to continue to try to put this stuff out and do one thing better, and that is to try to get it out every day. We're still here on the air. So um, let's go ahead and dive in. So So we are talking about the Constitution. And we are in Article 2. And if you know what Article 2 is, that's the executive branch. And, and, and I want to say this before I go any further. I don't want people to think that I am insulting their intelligence because I am not. I am trying. I really am not trying to do that. What I am trying to do is give people the knowledge that they need to do their own research, and particularly when we're talking about the Constitution. Now, we know in Section 1 of the of Article 2, Section 1 of the Constitution, it talks about the executive branch. And that's we're talking about the president and the vice president and what their job is. Now, if people don't the president's job is the executive branch has a duty to enforce law, the laws that are made and proposed by Congress. That's its entirety. That's why they are. That's why the president is there. That's one of the main reasons why he is there to enforce enforce the law. So when a bill comes up to the president and the president signs that bill, it becomes law. He in he in in fact enforced that particular piece of legislation, turned it into law. We also know in Article Two, Section One, we talk about electors. There's been a lot of news about electors, the electors that came from Arizona and also the alternative slate. I'm not going to get into that because I am not a subject matter expert on what happened with those alternative electors, but I do know they may be facing some legal issues. Men with badges may be coming to uh, visit them. Now, as we continue to dive forward in Article 2, Section 1, the president and the president of the Senate, which is the vice president of the United States, in the president of the Senate and the House of Representatives opened all certificates. Now, these certificates are certificates that are coming from the states. The electors bring these certificates to this body to the body of the house and the Senate U S house and the Senate and the vice president opens them up and they count those votes. Now at the end of the day, the person or persons having a greater number of counts are votes, but they become the president plain and simple. And as you know, the electoral college in order for a person to be elected or be the president elect, they have to have 270 or over. Now, once the votes are received from the states, from the representatives of the states, the president 
which is the vice president, has a ceremonial duty, ladies and gentlemen, to certify those certificates. His only job. That's it. To certify those certificates. He pulls them out. He reads them. And then he gives them to the clerk. That's what he does. There is nowhere in the Constitution that allows the vice president or the president of the Senate to do anything different than that. Now, this requirement was changed by the 12th Amendment. And when we get into the 12th Amendment, we'll talk about this. This is why this is what it is now. Before that, it was something else. Now, in the event of a tie, now, if, if there's a tie between two persons, the two people that are running for president, the House of Representatives, they have to decide by the ballot who will be the president. That's who decides that, ladies and gentlemen. If, there's a, if there is a tie. And we already know that whoever holds the majority seats in the House and the Senate is going to be their president. And again, the person receiving the most electoral votes will be the president and the person receiving the second greatest number of votes would be the vice president. Now, back in the day, that was back in the day. Back in the day, they did not have, they didn't run on a, on a ticket. Like, for example, John Adams ran against Thomas Jefferson. John Adams had the most votes, and he was of one party. Thomas Jefferson had the second highest votes, and he was of another party. The person with the second highest votes obviously became the vice president. The person with the most votes became the president. Now, the 12th Amendment changed that to where a person or the, or the team, the ticket, runs as a ticket. So the ticket has the most votes, become the president and the vice president, and so on and so forth. Now, I, again, I put that out there not to insult anybody's intelligence, but to give people information. Now, let's talk about the requirements to be president. No persons except a natural-born citizen or a citizen of the United States at the time of adoption of this constitution shall be eligible to hold the office of president. You got to be born in the country. You can also be born abroad if you are on United States soil. For example, I was born in Portugal. I was born on an Air Force base. I have a birth certificate that is a State Department birth certificate. So I am an American citizen. If I was not born under those situations, I wouldn't be allowed to run for president. Not saying I'm going to run for president, but just saying you have to be a natural born citizen to be able to do that. And in order for you to, to do anything at that level, vice president or, or what have you, you have to be a United States citizen. Now, let's talk about the removal of the president from office. Now, there is a lot of talk about impeachment and removing uh, the president and so on and so forth. Let's talk about that right after this message. 
First and foremost, a quick thank you to our incredible sponsor, WB Consulting Services, LLC. They're the trailblazers in business consulting right here in beautiful Phoenix. If you're seeking to elevate your business, give them a call at their offices at 602-9607 or toll-free at 1-800-83-415-57-WB. Consulting Services is your go-to for all your business solution needs. And we're back. And we are talking about Article 1, or correction, Article 2, Section 1. We were talking about uh, the the duties of the president and how they're elected. Now, I want to dive into, but when I left off, I was talking about the removal of a president. Now, in the case, now this is what the Constitution said. This is not Walt Blackman making some stuff up. In the case of removal of the president from office or of his death, resignation or inability to discharge the powers of and the duties of said office, the same shall devolve on to the vice president. That is what the Constitution will say. In a nutshell, if the president leaves office, then the vice president steps up. That's what it says. Doesn't say anything else. It says the president leaves office, the vice president assumes the duties of the, of the presidency. And we all know that because of the uh, 25th Amendment, that person could, that could be used against the president. When we hear talk about, we need to use, we need to use the impeachment clause or we need to use the 25th Amendment. The 25th Amendment drives that person, it gets that person out of office, then the vice president takes over. And if the vice president can't perform those duties, the Speaker of the House performs those duties may by law provide for the case of removal, death or resignation or an inability for both the president and the vice president declaring what officers shall then act as president. And as such officers shall act accordingly until the disability be removed or the president shall be elected. What does that mean? That means if the president is removed for any reason, if they are sick or, or something happens and they are able to come back, and it is still within their term, that president is reinstated if they are not expelled or if they have not been impeached. So if the president, again, becomes sick and they have to leave office because they are sick, the vice president assumes the duties of the presidency. The person, the president becomes okay. The president is allowed to come back if it's within the term. And the vice president goes back to their duties as a vice president. That is what that means. Now, here is something that I really think that people should listen to. Because the, because the person who takes the office gives an oath. And before that person enters the executive office, this is the Constitution, Article 2, Section 1, he shall take the following oath. I do solemnly swear that I will faithfully execute the office of president of the United States and will to the best of my abilities, preserve, protect and defend the constitution of the United States. That means the person who is assuming that office has a solemn responsibility to protect the constitution. That's what that means. It doesn't mean that 
whoever's in the office can do away with the Constitution doesn't mean that whoever's in the office could do away with parts of the Constitution. It does not mean that. It means that the person will protect the Constitution. Now, in Article 2, Section 2, the president shall be the commander commander in chief. Now, that's the commander, the commander in chief of the armed forces. That's what that means. Now, I know that there are some people out there saying, you know, and I've heard this. They are saying that President Trump is still the commander in chief of the armed forces. I really hate to break this to you, but President Trump is not the commander in chief of the armed forces because President Trump is not the president of the United States. Like it or not, I don't like it. I wish that he was the president. You know, I, you know, I I don't like Joe Biden as a president. Like it or not, he is not the president of the United States. Now, there's a lot of conspiracy talk out there that he's the president and he's he's the commander in chief of the armed forces. If President Trump is the commander in chief of the armed forces, then who is responsible for the military pulling out of Afghanistan? That is something that I would ask you. So moving on, that's why we got to be careful with conspiracy theories, because when we hear a bunch of stuff like, and, and, and again, when we hear a bunch of stuff like that, you, you hear everything. Okay. And then you're just, your, your head is swimming when you, when you, when you hear that. And it's just, it's like a wow moment when you hear that. Now, the president the commander-in-chief, he may require the opinion in writing of the principal officer of which of each of the executive departments upon any subject relating to the duties of their prospective offices. And he shall have the power to grant pardons and uh, get people uh, a, a reprieve, if you will, from anything, from any laws that they have broken against the United States. Only at the federal level. Now, why do I bring this up? We have some people that have been talking about if President Trump wins the presidency again, will he be able to pardon himself? That is a tricky question because, well, I guess he can. Because it doesn't say that he can't pardon himself. It says that the president has the power to pardon for offenses against the United States, except in the case of impeachment. So when we are talking about on the federal level, the president does have the power and the authority to be able to do that. However, we have former president Trump being tried in Georgia. Georgia does not fall up under this clause. So if the president is tried and convicted in Georgia, he cannot pardon himself, nor can any incoming president pardon him. 
because Georgia is a sovereign state with their own set of laws. If you're looking to catch up on Walt's past shows, all you need to do is go to Apple Podcast, Spotify Podcast Index, Amazon Music Podcast Addict Podchaser, or and Player FM. You can also go to his website at www.bussprout.com and click on The Walt Blackman Show. Now here's more of Walt, coming at you on The Walt Blackman Show. We have to understand that there are some things in the Constitution that we may not like. And that might be one of them, that the president can't pardon himself or the president will not be able to be pardoned if he gets tried and convicted in Georgia. The ladies and gentlemen, it doesn't matter how much you want that to be or how much you wish it would be. It does not. It will not happen. Because the Constitution does not allow that to happen. We cannot bend the Constitution because of President Trump's in this bind. Let's say he does get convicted in Georgia. Are we going to break the Constitution because he's President Trump? And when are we going to draw the line about breaking the Constitution? And why would the President of the United States go against their oath of office to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States? What that president is saying, what that person is saying is everything in the Constitution applies, I believe in, and I will uphold except for A, B, C, and D. Or any other person that says that we can change the Constitution to fit our narrative. The Constitution, ladies and gentlemen, was not written that way. The Constitution was written by the framers of this country in a way that would protect us. Now, some people think the Constitution doesn't protect us, doesn't protect individual rights. First of all, your individual rights, your God-given rights come to you from God, plain and simple. No man, no piece of paper can take that away from you. For example, all men are created equal. It didn't say all white men are created equal. It says all men are created equal. So then why did we have slavery? If if a person is equal, they shouldn't be a slave. However, man's law, man's opinion, and man's thought thought that it was okay to enslave another human being. Did that part of the Constitution, all men are created equal by their creator? Did that apply to black Americans back in the day when it was slavery? It is because it is a God-given right. However, again, there were people that thought that they were smarter than God, enslaved people for over a hundred and something years, and it took a man in the Republican Party to have the wisdom through prayer to draft the Emancipation Proclamation to free the slaves. And after that came the 14th and 15th Amendment. So, when we are trying to help our citizens that are given God-given rights, 
be able to live and enjoy those rights, the Constitution has to be able to fit that. The Constitution cannot take away somebody's rights that are God-given. That is why this document is such a wonderful, wonderful document. And that is why I encourage everyone to, you know, read your Constitution. A lot of people walk around and they carry the Constitution, but they don't read it. It's just for show. If a lot, here's the deal, ladies and gentlemen. You know how Congress is talking about uh, the concurrent resolution of the budget? If Congress followed the Constitution to the letter, we would not be $30 trillion in debt. We wouldn't be. That are a lot of the programs that Congress is funding are programs that are not listed in the Constitution. They are not in there. They are simply not in the Constitution for a governmental responsibility. For example, education. Education belongs to the states. The states have the responsibility to educate their children K through 12, not the federal government. So why do we have the, why do we have the U.S. Department of Education? It's not in the Constitution. Since it's not in the Constitution, that tells me that the U.S. Department of Education is unconstitutional. Because it left it, the Constitution left it to the states to be able to teach their kids. Everybody, this is the end of the show. I hope you enjoyed it. The Constitution, we were working and talking out of a book, Your Nation to Save, a line-by-line explanation of the Constitution written by Shane F. Cross. We want to give him that shout-out, second edition. Next time we come back, we will pick up on Article 2, Section 2 of the Constitution when we're talking about the executive. So everybody, have a great and wonderful day, and I hope you enjoyed the DeWalt Blackman Show and Make sure that you are part of the solution and not the problem.